boy, I tell you what, it is a beautiful day and God is on the throne. He's got something incredible in store. If you're new, I'll say it again, welcome home. I'm super excited that you're here. Like our dream at this church is to point you to your dream, your God-given purpose. Say purpose. See, you've got a purpose. I'll remind you that every week, every week I want you to know that, that you're created for something unique, designed specifically for you. But for your purpose to come to fruition, it needs to be wrapped in prayer. See, prayer is a big deal. I love that prayer that Sarah just prayed. We, we're not okay, okay, right? We're not okay, but God is more than okay. So we go to God through what we call prayer, and God moves in mighty ways. I don't know what your prayer life is like. I can tell you for me growing up, one of the first prayers I ever remember praying was my mom praying a prayer with me and us memorizing prayer together. But I don't know if it was a good experience. In fact, I, don't, I could probably tell you it wasn't. I was probably five years old. My mom would come into my room and she'd pray a prayer and I'll never forget it. You might know it too because maybe your mom prayed it with you. I mean, in fact, if you know it, you could just say it with me. It went something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep, right? Come on, I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die, okay, I got a problem right there, okay? Five years old, and my mom is praying, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take? Okay, is that supposed to relax me? Like, am I supposed to go to bed now? I'm freaking out. I don't want no one to come take my soul. I, I mean, I, this was trauma for me as a five-year-old kid. Why would you pray that with your Anyway, so I pray that with my kids because I figure if I went through it, you're going through it, right? So that's <laughs> how it works. So it's, but prayer, like, the first time I ever owned prayer myself, like, that where it wasn't my mom praying with me or helping me, but the, one of the first times I ever remember praying was, uh, was 10 years old. Gosh, I had a lot happened at 10 for me, um, and none of it good. But uh, I was in fourth grade, and I'm, I literally cried out to God in prayer, like, God, I need you to show up. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was skit time in the fourth grade, so we memorized uh, skits, and we'd get up and we acted out, and I'll, I, I still remember it. Like, it, the, the one I memorized was called, I Need a Shave by John R. Cans Jr. Like, I remember it. It, like, started, hmm, by golly, I believe I need a shave. Feel them, too. No kidding. I can see them easy. Lucky thing the folks aren't home. I can use Dad's shaving things. You know about shaving, don't you? Yeah, so it, I, I remember the whole thing. Like, in fourth grade, I had to memorize all that. Well, before I got up to do that, um, I was sitting in my class in my class because the kid before me was going, and I was starting to freak out. And, and it was a big deal because Mary Beth was in the same class I was. And she didn't know it, but we were going to get married someday. And uh, so this is big. And, and, and so I'm sitting close to Mary Beth, and I'm sitting there. I should probably show it. And I'm sitting there like this, and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get nervous, and things are starting to happen in my stomach. And I'm like, okay, God, um, I need you to show up because I, I, I'm not going to make it. And I'm sitting on a hard plastic chair, and that's not conducive for what is happening in my stomach. And I'm, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm getting really nervous. And the kid is up there giving his little speech, and I'm next. And Mary Beth is right over here, and things are, this is tense. And this kid gets done, and I'm like, oh, boy, it's go time. And the judges are tallying their scores for this kid, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm getting very nervous here. And I, I'll never forget, I cried out to God for the first time, I think, on my own. And I said, God... I need you in this moment. Like, I need you to show up and take this, 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 this nervousness, this, this, this volcano that is about ready to erupt, God. I need you to take it away. And God didn't take it away. See, I think God added fuel on the fire because I was like, okay, this is getting bad, and I'm, like, getting really tense. And I was just, I'm in the clinch. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, 
and, and the judges are looking at me, and I'm looking at them, and they look up, and I look at them, and they're like, all right, Mont, and as soon as they start saying my name, it, it was over, okay? It, it was like, it was, how can I, it was like, and then it kind of whistled, because it was so, I was just so, and I was like, no, and it just unloaded, I was just over. Mary Beth, it was over before it started with Mary Beth, so um, it was horrible. It was trauma. Say trauma. See, some of you, you, you've never experienced trauma like that, and I pray you never do. It was so bad. It wrecked me, and I remember thinking to God, I remember thinking, God, I don't get it. I literally cried out to you to take that away, and now I'm going to be known as that kid, and no one wants that, but I, 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 I cried out to God, and he didn't answer my prayer. We're in a series called, Why Is This Happening? And I, I, again, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, but today we're going to look at the question, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why don't you answer my prayer? I'm like, literally, and, and we can get real serious and say, some of you have prayed big prayers. And I love praying big, big, big prayers, but you're like, God, where are you at in the moment? Like, I prayed for a significant other, and I'm still single, and I'm still lonely, right? I have prayed for my child to get well in this area of their life. They're not getting well. In fact, it seems like they're getting worse. Like, I don't get, God, I'm praying for purpose. My church talks about purpose, but I'm going to a job I can't stand, working with people I don't like, and it's like I'm not in a career. I'm just in, like, I'm in this prison. And I'm praying, and I'm crying out to God, God, well, prayer is so powerful, and you're so good, yet nothing is changing. I don't see anything different happening. So we want to know, God, why are you answering our prayers? So we ask this question all the time. See, every time I ask God that, like every time I get a group text, that's a prayer that's not answered for me because I'm like, God, why are people group texting me? That is against your will, and that's even in the Bible somewhere in the back. So why are you doing that? So, so God, why are you, why are you allowing this? The, some of you, you walked in here and you can relate to what I'm saying because you've, you've, you've prayed those prayers. Some of you are still praying those prayers right now, and you're wondering, God, why would you not answer this? Like, why would I even have to beg for this? This is a gimme. Right? This is a gimme that you would heal this person or do this in my life. I'm going to show you a gimme in God's word, and it's going to blow you away. I hope you prepared yourself for an incredible journey today. I want to take you to a book in the Bible called John. John 11. If you brought a Bible or a mobile device with a Bible app, man, download an app with the Bible. It's so awesome. But go to John 11. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus' life. If you don't know where to start reading God's Word, that's where you start. Start in Matthew and read the story of Jesus. There's no better way to get to know the King than read his story. And I'm telling you, he has got an incredible story. And in this story, in John 11, I'm going to set it up for you. And I'll tell you that Jesus was close with a, a, a family that he would hang out with quite a bit. Two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. That's where the story starts. In John 11, it says this. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was really sick. He was from Bethany, the village, uh, along with Mary and his other sister, Martha. Uh, in verse 3, it says, the sisters sent word to Jesus. So they sent a prayer request. They're crying out to Jesus, who they know personally. Jesus, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. In other words, Jesus, we need you. 
This is the direct prayer request. And I don't, it's not just floating up in the air somewhere. This is directly to the physical man, God named Jesus. It says in verse 4, when Jesus heard, or when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness isn't going to end in death. So Jesus makes a declaration. He says, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Interesting statement. Verse 5, now Jesus, now he's going to solidify for you and I his love for this family. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. He loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus immediately rushed to Bethany and healed Lazarus. Wait a minute, that's not what it says. I mean, that's what it should say. I don't know, God, if, you, if there's a typo. I thought God's word was perfect, but this next statement does not seem right to me. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he didn't run there. He didn't walk there. He didn't go there. He stayed where he was for two more days. What? Are you kidding me? This, this isn't right. Like, we're, we've, already, we've already solidified that Jesus is friends with Lazarus. He's, he's personal friends with Mary. He hung out with them more than once. Like, every Sunday night, they get together, they watch Game of Thrones. They've never missed it. They do this. They hang together. So what's happening? It seems countercultural. Like, Jesus, your love that you talk about, it seems the opposite of what your behavior is showing. Like, I don't get this. By the way, why are we even at this point? If Lazarus is such a good friend, why did Jesus allow him to get so sick in the first place? What? Or, why does Jesus even need to go there? Jesus, we've seen you heal people from a distance. We've seen, you don't have to be in the the physical vicinity. You can heal somebody, you know, you do one of these deals, they're healed. You don't have to go anywhere. What are you doing? But that's not what happened. It's the opposite. So he, he purposely waits Like, this is kind of a jerk move, Jesus. I'm not understanding it. I don't get it. And think of Mary and Martha and the family. They're waiting. They know Jesus got the prayer. You know I cried out to you and you heard me, but we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. See, some of you walked in here and you are in a waiting season. Like, you are waiting and you're wondering, like, God, when is it going to happen? When is it going to change? When are you going to show up? Like Mary and Martha, wondering, did you even hear it? Did you even get it? See, I think what God wants somebody to know in this place, your waiting season is not a wasted season if you don't give up. See, you need to keep trusting. You need to keep believing. And know that just if things aren't going your way, it doesn't mean they're not going God's way. Okay? God's still working. God's still moving. God, I can't feel you. I can't see you. God says, I'm where I've always been. You keep trusting. Mary and Martha had to trust. And, 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 and what, but what's happening, they're not understanding. I promise you. They're not getting it. Let's go to verse 11. Let's continue. After he said this, Jesus told the disciples. Now, now, now two days has now passed, by the way. So two days has passed. So now Jesus says, hey. Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. And the disciples replied, Lord, I mean, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. See, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. You got to love the disciples. They're not the rightest bunch. This is what gives me hope. They're like, they don't get it. 
They don't get it. Jesus, I love it. So the next verse, this is the Bible. There's humor in the Bible. Jesus has to point blank tell them, you morons. He doesn't say moron. I just add stuff. It just sounds better. <laughs> so then he told them plainly, you guys, Lazarus is dead. That was a figure of speech. He's, he's dead. He's not, it's not, he's not just resting. Like, it's rigor mortis. If rigor mortis is set in, he's dead. So Jesus is reminding them, that was a figure of speech. He is dead. And in verse 15, he says, and for your sake, say for your sake. For your sake, I am glad I wasn't there. Hmm. So that you may believe. That's interesting. Come, he says, let's go see him. And they leave and they go. By the time they get there, you know, there's a travel time involved from where they were to Bethany. By the time they would walk there and get there, the Bible says that Lazarus is dead. Not only is he dead, he may be decomposing at this point. He's been dead for four days. So this would tell you that he died very much shortly after they would send that letter to Jesus. That, that message, that messenger brought that message. He's dead. And they've been sitting there with a dead brother for days. Jesus shows up on the scene. Hey, I'm here. Mary doesn't even go out to meet him. Bible says Mary stays home. I wonder if she's just saying, forget it, Jesus. Where were you when I cried out to you? Now you want me to go run meet you? Who cares that you're here? He's dead. Martha goes out to meet Jesus. Jesus meets Martha. That's what it says. And think about the theme for today. Why isn't God answering our prayers? Martha says to Jesus, if you would have, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have got here, maybe this would be all different. Like, Mary's home, remember. Mary's thinking, why? The same thing you're asking God sometimes when you pray. Why? Prayer is powerful. That's what the Bible says. God is good. That's what the Bible says. Okay, I'm not getting it. If my prayer is so powerful and God is so good, why is nothing changing? That's what they're asking God. That's what they're wondering as their brother decomposes in a grave. They're, but here's the thing. The, our original question, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? See, who's the central focus there? Well, it's me. Why aren't you answering my prayers? Now, if you were the only person on earth and there wasn't like 8 billion other people, okay, you might have a leg to stand on. But there's a big picture here. There's a lot going on here. And sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in our story, and your story does matter to God, but there's something else going on. And this is what God is going to want to show us today. Like, but sometimes it's like all about us. I mean, how many, of you, how many of you know somebody where it's all about them? If you, do you know somebody it's all about them? Yeah. Now, if you're sitting next to them, don't look at them. Don't nudge them. Don't elbow them. Okay, I'm just trying to help you. Don't do that. But we all, it's all, it's all about me. Well, Jesus is going to show us something here. That, that it's not just about us, but there's other things at play. Let me give you an example. Let's say somebody is, is they're begging for a job. They go to the interview, it goes really well. So they go home and they pray, God, yes, I nailed the interview. It is perfect. The money's perfect. The benefits are incredible. It's in walking distance. It's a great life. Everything is tailored towards me. But by the way, God, I saw my, my, my office I'm going to have once I get the job. There's a really cute guy next to it. I'm probably going to marry him. God, you've got this all orchestrated. It's all going to work out. God, this is going to be my job. I declare it. I own it. I name it, God, and you're going to do it. Here's the problem. There's somebody else in your apartment building, and they're praying the same prayer. They went on the same interview. They, they talk to the same person, and they love the pay, and they love the benefits, and they're single, and they think that guy's hot, and he's for them, and he's going to be praying, and it's all going to work out. Well, we got a problem. Now, you don't know that other person's praying. You don't even know them. They don't know you. 
And God's up there thinking, oh boy, someone's going to be disappointed. So, so, right? So let's say the second one gets the job. And you could be mad at God and saying, I don't get it. Forget you, God. Forget church. Forget your word. You're not good. Okay? Now I got to go struggle and do something else. And somebody else gets it. But what you may not know is that somebody else that got it, maybe they got cancer six months later. And God knew they were going to get cancer six months later. And that health insurance that they desperately needed that was so good is going to get them through radiation and treatment and, and, and uh, all kinds of things. See, there's more going on than just us. There's, it, it, it's a bigger picture. This is what we need to under. There's so many factors in prayer. We'll do a series at Meadows Church, and I'll, I'll pull it apart for you about all the things that impact our prayer. But your relationships with other, other people impact your prayer. Your motives impact your prayer. Your faith impacts your prayer. God's will impacts your prayer. And you might be thinking, well, God's will, how can God's will not be for, to heal that child? How can God's will not be for me to break this addiction that's killing people in my life? How can God's will be anything else? I'm telling you something. If you're praying for something and you don't see it happening in your life, I want to assure you of something. God is good in all situations, okay? God is always good, and his ways are always higher than our ways. So there are things that you're not seeing and that you don't know that God knows. One day, you'll, he'll put it all together for you. But, but on this day, you've got to trust and just believe, God, God, your ways are better. Your ways are higher. Think of it this way. Parents, by the way, mothers, happy Mother's Day. I'm really excited that you're here. Um, I hope my mom doesn't watch this and take offense to that prayer that she taught me earlier. But mom, it did scar me. I'm just going to tell you straight up. But I do love you and happy Mother's Day. So, um, but, uh, so parents, do your kids ever ask you something? They want something. It's like a prayer request. They're begging for it. They think it's good for them. They, they want it, but you say you, you don't do it. Because you know something they don't know. It's the same with God. Like, he knows, if he gave you what you were asking for, you'd probably be a grease spot right now. Who knows? It wouldn't be good. He knows better than we know. My gosh, if I, if I learned anything, and I can tell this story since your brother Jake is in kids' ministry, because if he heard it, he'd probably, it wouldn't be good for his, his psyche. But Jake, Christmas, you know, at the Gannon household was a, was a, that's a joyous time. It was a joyous time, but we had a, there was a, a moment there. Jake wanted an Xbox for Christmas, you know, and I've shared a little bit of this, this story before, but he wanted it. And, uh, and we prayed about it and we thought about it. And we were going to do it. And we thought, you know, let's go a different route this Christmas. We'll get him a, a bike ramp and he can get outside and play with his friends. And then we'll get him um, rollerblades. He likes to do that, you know. So get him outside, just do, doing activities. And uh, so we, we, we went that route, Okay. So we thought, we're going to just do this, and it's going to be great. Well, I thought it was a great idea until we start unwrapping gifts. And Jake was, like, gravitating towards this one gift that was shaped just like an Xbox would be shaped. And it weighed about like an Xbox would weigh. And he's all over this gift. And I mean, all, when I say all over it, he's, like, literally hugging it and kissing it. It was weird. I, I just, I'm like, the more he was, like, loving this gift, the more I'm like, okay, we're in trouble here. I'm looking at Jody. I'm like, this is not good. And he's so excited. And I'm like, and don't think I'm a, you probably think, oh, you're a great parent. You're not getting him an Xbox. Part of the reason we didn't do it is because I have like an addictive personality and I'd probably be playing Fortnite right now if we had that Xbox rather than preaching to you. So I'll just be honest. So, I mean, let's not just, let's call it what it is. But we, uh, 
<laughs> Jake is getting ready to open this gift, and he is, I've never seen a kid so excited on Christmas morning in my life, and he's, and he's going to rip it open, and I'm like, my heart is like, oh my gosh, we've, cr we've crushed our kid. Yeah, he's, it's over, right? So I, so I start to move away all the sharp objects away from Jake. You know, I'm just making it safe for the family as he opens this gift in these rollerblades, and he rips it open, and I mean, just the look on his face, I mean, it, I didn't record it because, I mean, it would, it was priceless, and, and he, he didn't throw a tantrum, but you could see, just, he was like, oh. like, let's just put it this way, Jody and I slept with the door locked for the next week, because I just, I didn't trust him, I didn't know what would happen, I mean, he was, it was bad, he was not pleased, and, and so in the moment, he didn't see it, and he's like, I don't get it. And I don't understand it. Was it too expensive? Was it this? Was it that? And, and we had to kind of, and I kind of felt like, God, maybe we should have. And I'm like, man, he's really mad. But you know what? Now what we see now that it's finally, winter got done finally last week. So now we're into the summer and it's awesome. I, we, what, what did we see? We see Jake out with his friends on the ramp. We see Jake on his rollerblades playing around. And we see that now. So now we can kind of see that. But in the moment, he didn't see that. And it's like, I want this and I want to do this and blah, blah, blah. But, he, but, but we thought we would do something different. Do you see what I'm saying? So Jake in that moment is learning patience. Jake in that moment is learning you don't just get what you ask for all the time. Jake in that moment is learning that, gosh, maybe somebody that loves me and takes care of me looks down and knows what's better for me in the moment. See, see sometimes God is trying to develop something. So what if in your prayers, God is trying to develop something in you instead of do something for you? See, this is huge. As you go to God, as you cry out to God, you have a choice to keep going to him or you can go away. And God is praying that you keep going to him because he's developing something in you. This leads us to the main point of today. Say main point. This is big. If you remember nothing else, this is it. Prayer is not about getting our way. I know that hurts, but it's true. Because our way actually is not the best way most times. Prayer is not about getting our way. It's about surrendering our will. This is what it's about. Prayer is not about getting our way. It's about surrender, surrendering our will. And I could go to Jesus in the garden before he got crucified. He cried out to God, God, is there any other way? And God said, this is the way. I am the way. That is my way. And Jesus is centering himself on God's will, preparing himself for God's will, getting in line with God's will. Because Jesus ultimately knew, okay, God, it's not about what I want in this moment because Jesus was fully human and fully God, knowing he's going to take on the sins of the world, but yet he's getting in line with God's will. This is, see, prayer isn't about just asking to get what we want. It's about trusting God's will. Okay, do we trust God's will? Do we trust that, God, you're orchestrating things I don't even know, I can't even see, I don't know what's going on? Listen to what, let's go back to our story. Right, remember where we're at? Jesus is hanging out with Martha. Lazarus is still decomposing in the grave. That's where we're at. So in, in John 11, verse 25, Martha's kind of wrestling, and Jesus reminds Martha who he is. And Jesus says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. That is who you're talking to right now. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? That's a huge question in a pivotal place in Martha's life. Martha, do you trust me? 
God, you're not answering my prayers. God, I don't feel you. God, nothing is changing. God, my life looks the way, in fact, my life is going backwards. Do you trust me? Do, will you stay the course? Will you stay with me? I, I will never leave you. Well, don't leave me. This is what God is saying. Do you trust me? Like, like in church, it's, it's easy. Well, I'm a pastor. I trust God. You know, point to God. And trust God in all your ways. He'll make your path straight. We can say everything we want, but do we believe it? How do we live? I'll tell you I'm guilty some days of saying I trust God, but the way that I worry and talk to myself, <laughs> you, you think I don't even know God. Honestly, I don't know if you talk to your, I got problems. I talk to myself. If they had a camera on me, you wouldn't come to this church. So um, I'm just telling you, I, we worry, we worry things. And why do we worry so much? Jesus says, stop, knock it off. Stop talking to yourself. Stop worrying so much. Worries, worry is having a conversation with yourself about things you cannot change. That's what worry is. A conversation with yourself about things you can't change. What's prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God about things he can change. This is the difference. Stop worrying. I know it's hard. I do it too, but we have to, we're wasting our days and we're wasting our time and we're wasting our life by worrying about things we can't change. Only God can do it. So Martha's response, listen to her response in verse 27. Check this out. She passes the test. Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So her brother's still dead, right? But yet, what does she call him there? Wow. In that one statement, she calls him Messiah. She calls him the Son of God. She calls him Lord. Wow. Okay, Martha, I want to be more like you because you're, you're showing faith. So at this point, Martha runs to go get Mary. Mary comes out, and Mary has a response like Martha. Lord, why? why? Why aren't you answering my prayers? That's our question today. Why aren't you doing this? And, and Jesus looks at Mary, and the Bible says Mary is at this point. She's at his feet. Every time Mary, we see her three times in Scripture. Every time we see this Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. It's amazing. She's ticked. She's hurting, but she's still at the feet of the Lord. See, some of you, this is exactly where God wants you today. As you come up for prayer after the service, as you come up and let somebody uh, pray with you and love you, just go to the foot of Jesus in your hurt, in your pain, in your struggle, in your dysfunction. That's where he wants you. This is where Mary was, but make no mistake, she was hurting. She was struggling. And you know what, what that did in the heart of Jesus? Because Jesus saw her struggling. Jesus saw those around there mourning and weeping. And listen to what it says. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing, a deep anger. What? Jesus got angry? You better believe he did. You better believe it. He was angry. Not only that, but verse 35 says Jesus wept. Shortest scripture in God's word, by the way. And one of the most powerful. Jesus Christ wept. Well, why are you crying, Jesus? You, you're Jesus. You knew this would happen. You knew the outcome. You knew there would be struggle. You knew there would be mourning. Why are you, so, why are you angry about it? See, Jesus wasn't angry at the people. He wasn't angry at Mary. He wasn't angry at Martha, even though they were probably angry at him. I think Jesus is angry at this. He's angry at the, what he sees. See, when you hurt and you struggle, and some of you are hurting in a big way, and it is why God would direct you here today. When you hurt, your Lord hurts with you. When you struggle, your Jesus struggles with you. He wept. He saw them crying, and he was upset. He was angry. He was indignant, so upset, not at them. I think he's upset at the situation. I think he's upset 
at sin because he says that was never the plan of my father. I think he's upset at sickness. That should have never happened to Lazarus in the first place. That's not the plans we drew up. And I know he's, I know he's upset at death because that was never in the blueprint, ever. This whole scene that Jesus is looking at with the people hurting and crying and decomposing, Jesus looks at it and he says, this was never my father's plan. But I don't know about you, I'm just so grateful that God had a plan B named Jesus who will one day wipe away all your tears and make all things new. That's what he wants to do in you. And he doesn't want to wait to do it. See, sometimes we think, God, you want to make things new eventually? Wrong. He wants to make things new today. Today. Say today. Today, your Lord loves you and wants to make things new. So Jesus, remember, he's crying. He's hurting. And he says, take me to the grave of Lazarus. And they take him. Bible says he's still upset. So upset at what he sees. Not upset at you. He's not mad at you. He's mad at the hurt that you have to go through. He's mad that this was, he, he, it, it hurts him to see you hurt. That's why he came. So they take him to the grave of Lazarus. And Jesus, like only Jesus could do, in verse 43, he shouts, Lazarus, come out. And in verse 44, it says, the dead man came out. Jesus Christ resurrects a man from the dead after four days in the grave. And we might look at that and say, okay, well, gosh, Mary and Martha got what they wanted all along. At least their prayers finally got answered. Yeah, they had to go through a struggle. Yeah, they had to wait. Yeah, they had to trust. But Lazarus is alive. What if I told you it was never about Lazarus? What if I told you it was never about Mary or Martha? It wasn't. This is what's crazy about this story. This is what I want you to know, and this is what God wants us to know. Let, let me give you the main point again so I can give you context. Prayer is not about getting our way, Martha and Mary, or even you, Lazarus. It's about surrendering our will. Well, didn't they get both? God's will was to raise Lazarus. Obviously, he did it. They wanted Lazarus alive. You know what? Lazarus would die again, okay? Don't get too excited about the resurrection of Lazarus. In fact, you could even mourn for Lazarus. He had to go through death twice. Who wants that? Dude had to die twice. Not many people have to go through death twice. He did. What if there's something more to the story? What if your God, so if your will is, if it's about surrendering our will, and it's about Martha and Mary surrendering their will, who's it for then? Let me, let me take you backwards in our journey and show you a scripture that I've already read to you once, but I want to read it again because it might, you might, it might hit you in a different light. Do you remember when I read John eleven four, 4? When Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So ultimately, it's about God. It is, yeah, it's God's will. That's what we're saying. It's not about our will, it's about God's will. See, when you're in God's will, it's always gonna be better for you. You may not see that. You may not see that in the short term. You may not get that. That's okay. You don't have to understand it all. Just trust the one who does. That's what you need to know. So, so okay, so it's about God's will, John eleven four. 4. Let's keep going. So it's not about Martha or Mary or Lazarus, but it was about you, Lord. And how did you get glorified, Lord? And Lord says, let me show you. Remember another scripture that I read to you earlier? I'll read it again to refresh your memory. John eleven fourteen 14 and 15. Remember the disciples not getting it? Is he sleeping? We don't get it. 
Remember what Jesus said? So he told them plainly, you guys, Lazarus is dead, remember? And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? So you may believe. Oh, so you were doing, so you mean this whole Lazarus thing wasn't about just Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was about God being glorified, but it was about the disciples. They were your disciples, didn't they believe? Well, obviously they had struggles. They didn't get it because Jesus just plainly told us, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there to raise him right away because your faith is still struggling, isn't it? And I need to show you how much I love you. I need to show you my power so you believe. So you did it for the disciples, Jesus? Wow, I'm starting to understand. But he wasn't done there. Wait a second. In John 11:45, Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. That's where we left off our story. Lazarus is alive. Listen to the very next verse. Many, say many, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw Lazarus rise from the dead. What? So you're saying it wasn't about Mary and Martha or Lazarus. It wasn't even just about the disciples, but it was about all these lost people that didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But because of the miracle of a man who was dead for not one minute or two minutes or one day or two days, but four days, you don't refute that. You don't dispute that. And Jesus said it was specifically for them as well. Wow, there's a bigger picture here, Jesus. I didn't, if I'm Martha or Mary, I didn't see none of that. I didn't know about the disciples struggling. I didn't know there were people that were going to go to hell if they didn't see you raise Lazarus from the dead. I didn't know. See, there's things you don't know that Jesus is showing. And how he can use pain and, and hurt sometimes to bring people in, it hurts in the moment. But when people come to know Jesus, it's this is why, for, for this church anyway, I can't speak for other churches. I'll tell you, for Meadows Church, we will never stop leading people to Christ. It is the number one thing we do. Because if I look at this story, that was the center point. He impacted Mary and Martha, yeah. He impacted 12, yeah. But then he impacted many who didn't believe because Jesus is always going after his sheep. Jesus is always going after lost people. And Jesus will use whatever he needs to use whatever he needs to do. And I think what God wants us to know today is we need to stop limiting the power of God by asking him to do what we want him to do. You're limiting God. So do I stop praying about me? No, you can keep putting your prayer requests out there, but know that God's ways are higher and bigger and better. Stop just asking God to do what you expect. He wants to do so much more. We undersell and undercut the power of God. Mary and Martha, Oh gosh, if you could raise our brother. Jesus is like, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'll raise him and I'll raise thousands of others that will see Lazarus alive. So there's more to the story. We're in the, we're in the gospel of John. I look through John this week as I prepare for you. It's crazy. Expectations. What we expect our Lord to do, and then we don't think he can do it. God says, you ain't seen. I'm doing things you don't even know. I will blow the doors off what you're asking if you trust me. Let me give you a snapshot into John really quick. What we read was John 11, the story of Lazarus. In John 4, check this out. A woman comes to a well for water. What's her expectation? I'm thirsty. I want something to drink. Do you know what Jesus would show her? Jesus would tell her about living water. And Jesus would teach her how he could quench her thirst, not just in a day, but forever. In John 6... The disciples would watch Jesus minister to thousands of people. Do you know what their expectation was? Jesus, 
this, this 15, 20,000 people, they're going to go away hungry. You, you, you gave them spiritual food, but we have no food. In fact, all they had was food for one person. So what was their expectation? They're going away hungry. Do you know what Jesus did? He took the one meal and fed every man, woman, and child, and there were leftovers for everybody. That's what he did. In John 8, a woman caught in sin and adultery is taken to Jesus as an example. Look at her. Look at, look at her. Naked, what she's done. Humiliated. You know what that woman expected? Stoning by death. That was the, that's the punishment, by the way. Do you know what Jesus gave her? Freedom. Jesus showed her life. Not just in the physical sense, but Jesus freed her soul. So, and then John 11, back to our story for today. Jesus raises a man named Lazarus from the grave. Do you know what that would do? That would spark an onslaught after Jesus. The religious leaders would see that. They don't care about the miracle. They cared about having Jesus dead. So they would take that as an opportunity to go after Jesus and kill him. That's exactly what they did. That was their expectation, and they got it. He's crucified dead on a cross. But guess what? Jesus would exceed all expectations because three days later, Jesus Christ would break forth, defeat sin, defeat death. I'm telling somebody, if Jesus always met your expectations, he would never have a chance to exceed them. Oh my gosh, Lord, you're doing something bigger than what I can see. I'm to, okay, I'll get personal. My expectation two years ago, God calls me out and says, Monty, you're going to plant a church. Well, I fought with him forever on that. I'm like, no, I'm not God. I've heard about those. They're tough, okay? People are part of those, and people are crazy, namely me. So I don't know how we're going to do this. But so I, I fought him. And you know what my prayer was? At the end of the day, when I knew that I had to plant a church, had to, I say that because that's how I felt at the time. I'm like, I don't want to do this. It wasn't about me and what I wanted. It was about God had a bigger picture, not just about me, but about you. I literally prayed to God. God, I, I don't want to leave my city of Sioux Falls. It's what I know. It's familiar. It's comfortable. So let's just do it around here. Okay? I'll plant, God. I'll be, I'll be obedient. But what's the least amount I can do, God, where it's the least struggle for me? That's what I wanted. Isn't that us, though? I want it as easy as I can get it, God. I want your will, but do not make it tough. That's what I prayed. I wanted to say, I did not want to go. Didn't. And I prayed boldly. And I tried every avenue I could to, to, to stay where I was. And God had to literally rip everything away and say, my gosh, I'm literally beating you over the head with my will. I'm pretty, a pretty hard case, so, you know, it takes a lot. And, but, but, but my will was never to leave Sioux Falls. That was my will. Okay, what's our main point? It's not about my will. But it's, about, it's not about my way. It's about God's will. Surrendering to God's will. And I think now if I would have got my way, oh, man. Well, it would change our whole day today. Okay? I wouldn't be here. The, 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 the people that moved with me wouldn't be here. Well, you wouldn't be here. Pretty sure they wouldn't be having church at this, this hotel right now. It would change a lot of lives. Trust me, I'm not giving myself any glory. I did everything I could to fight God. You know, kicking and screaming. Literally, I think I was kicking and screaming, wasn't I? You got pictures of that, Jody. Don't ever show those to anybody. So it was not good. But that's where I was. Do you see? So then I think about what God is doing in our church, and I'm like, wow, if I would have got my way, I didn't see any of this. We would have never met. I would never get to love you. The we would never be doing life together. 
God, you know so much more. Oh, by the way, it, it would drastically change 167 people's lives because that's how many people have given their lives to Jesus Christ in this church. So I'm telling you, God's got a plan and you're a part of it. By the way, since we're celebrating, I don't know if you were here last weekend, but I prayed a bold prayer. God, we want this many sponsorships. God blew that out of the water. We sponsored 51 children last weekend. I give you glory for that through God. Thank you for being the church. This is what I can get excited about. Let's give our lives away. Let's trust that God knows what he's doing. Do you know that most of what people pray is for physical stuff? It is. Me too. I would say, I'm guessing here, this isn't, I didn't, you know, I make stuff up sometimes, but I'll tell you what I do. I'm making this up. But I would guess 80% of people probably pray for mainly physical stuff. Heal them. Do this. Take care of this. It's, it's, it's physical. We live in a very physical world. So I get that. I kind of get that. But didn't I just explain that Lazarus died again, right? So we pray boldly, God, do this. God, most of our prayers are temporal. My, my heart for this church is that we will start praying and know that God's got a bigger picture. Lazarus, I, I can raise Lazarus if you want, sure, and I'll do it because those people are going to go to heaven because of it. But Lazarus, that poor dude, he just got to experience death again later. I'm not saying don't pray for the cancer to be healed. You can pray for that. I pray for that. I'm not saying don't pray for your child to get over that illness that keeps coming back. You can pray for that. That's okay. But just know the bigger picture. Even if God heals them today, they will die again. This is not our home. It's bigger than this. And nothing is more important than our... Remember Jesus in John eleven twenty five, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Everything else is temporal. I can raise your brother. He'll die. I can cure the cancer. They will die. But keep praying because God can be glorified in it. So we will battle cancer, and we will pray against it every day. We won't stop. But don't forget the bigger picture, okay? This isn't our home. This is not our home. This is not our home. See, you can, at the end of the day, I'll just say it. You can eat all the kale you want. I don't know why you would do that to yourself, but you can. Eat all the kale you want, Sarah. I don't care. You can lift all the weights you want. You can go on all the trips you want. You can make all the money you want, but until you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will never know what true abundant life is. You have a Father in heaven, and He wants to meet you here today. Will you meet us, God? So, you know I can stay up here all day. You know that. I, I, I can't get enough of God, but I struggle just like you do. If you saw what my weeks look like, you would know that I don't have I don't have a lot together. I cling to Jesus some days with my, by my fingernails. I cling to him. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's where you're at. And I'm telling you, I don't want to preach at you. I want to preach with you. This life is hard. There are struggles. But take heart. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. This is the gospel. We're doing baptisms. I cannot wait till next weekend. Why are they getting baptized? Because they're making a declaration. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he can do stuff like raise a dead man to life. But not only that, he raised himself to life. And guess what? He didn't die again. 
He's still alive. He's still kicking. He's still praying for us. He's still watching over us. He's still loving us. He's not done with us. This is what we need to understand. And for the person here that you don't have a personal relationship, what do you mean? I mean you might believe in Jesus, you just aren't living for him. That was me. That was my story. I believe in you, Jesus, but I'm going to live like everybody else. That isn't living, that's existing. And you will never find your purpose in that. And I love you too much to not tell you what I believed for so long was so wrong that I can just believe like the devil believes and do nothing different. Today, God is looking for surrender. Do you remember the main point, don't you? It's not about our will. It's about surrender, or not about our weight, surrendering to God's will. The surrender is the biggest word in that statement. Surrender. Not parts of you, all of you. God is calling you to surrender today. Some of you, your prayers that you've been praying that aren't getting answered, I hope God is showing you that it's bigger than you, but don't you stop praying. Don't you stop believing. Don't you stop going to him. In fact, go to him more. Cry out to him more. But know that there, there's something that he wants you to do too. Surrender to him. Give it all up to him. Give your life to him wholeheartedly, every part of you. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came. So you might give your life to him. Some of you on those commitment cards, you're going to surrender your life to Christ. Praise God. That's why we do church. Some of you are going to get baptized. That's telling the world that you're saved. You're going to do that. You're going to mark that on the card. I can't wait to celebrate with you. Cannot wait to give God glory for what he's doing in your life. But I'm telling you something. For those that are praying and struggling, God is with you, and he wants you to surrender to him today. Sometimes we're so ashamed of what we've done that we think that God is so mad at us, and he's, he's not. He just is calling us home. He's saying, come home, I love you. I'm not done with you. I'm not crying or, or angry at you. I'm crying and I'm angry because of what's happening to you. Let me pray for you. Father, it's a challenging message because I know for me, most of my prayers are centered on me and my family, the church. And I can, I can in a religious sense, God, I can justify those and say, you know what? Praying for people. But if I'm honest, God, a lot of times at the end of the day, I'll find myself at the center of that. And that's just a selfish heart, God. So I pray that you continually work on me and this church, God. I, I thank you so much for what you're doing and lift up all the moms supernaturally. God, that they, that they first and foremost feel your presence like never before. If it wasn't for my mom, there's no way I would be standing here. And I think of all the moms that, that love sacrificially, give sacrificially, um, are self, not selfish, but selfless. God, I lift them up to you. I lift up people that are praying to you today, God, that they, they, they're starting to realize that it's not just about what we want, but it's about your will. I pray for the people that will surrender their lives to you today. I pray for all the people that will come forth after the service and let us pray for them. I pray for the people that are, are going to step forth and want to get baptized next weekend. I pray for those that walked in here broken, struggling, hurting, and on their, on, on, on. basically, this is their last chance. And what you're showing us today, God, this is their first step to freedom. It's why you would bring them to a place where they can hear a word from you and be transformed from the inside out. God, thank you for changing lives. Thank you for making us new. Thank you for showing us a purpose that is way bigger than us. And thank you. And we'll continually tell people, God, and we'll continually give you glory and declare that in you, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody says, amen.